Welcome to Aging in Full Bloom with Lisa Stockdale, sponsored by Capital Healthcare Network, an Ohio-based, family-owned and operated company providing solutions that help seniors age on their own terms. Those solutions include home care, senior living, nursing home and rehab care, and hospice. Learn more at CapitalHealthCareNetwork.com. Thank you for listening to Aging in Full Bloom with Lisa Stockdale. I'm your host, Lisa Stockdale. And today we have a very special guest on the phone with us, Patty Davis. Patty has written a book called Floating in the Deep End. Um, and it's all about um, her journey or her family's journey with her father's dementia. Is that all accurate, Patty? Um, yes. And uh, well, it's also a you know, basically a handbook for caregivers based on my support group program. Okay. Your your father's kind of famous. He was kind of famous. He is kind of famous. I'm not sure how to talk about it. Um, You are the daughter of Ronald Reagan. Mm -hmm. Can I just tell you before we get into the book that um, my first, when I was old enough to vote in my first election, your dad was running for president and I voted for him. (laughs) Oh, and okay. <laughs> and uh, my family, just huge admirers. So um, this is great that you are willing to share th- these experiences, which are very private and intimate, um, for the greater good. So um, tell us all about it. What, what, like, when did you feel like I should write a book? At what moment? Well, I started, as I mentioned, I started a support group program called Beyond Alzheimer's in 2011. Um, I ran the group for uh, twice a week uh, for six years, first at UCLA and then at St. John's uh, Hospital in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2017, for a variety of reasons, I, I wanted to step back from running the group and uh, take it to another level, so I... Um, I decided to try to license it to the program to hospitals, um, and two hospitals said yes, Geisinger in Pennsylvania and Cleveland Clinic in Las Vegas. I got a number of no's, um, which, you know, disappointingly kind of confirmed what I already knew, that caregivers are not given the care that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, Undersupported, they yeah. Yes, undersupported, and... Uh, so um, I thought, well, I'm going to write a book then that, that reflects um, the support group and, and the principles of, uh, that I brought to that group and the insights, and there are practical suggestions. There are deeper-level emotional uh, insights and suggestions in the book. So I, I think it's, it's something that caregivers can, can benefit from, can you know, carry with them and refer to. Oh, no matter what stage they're at in their in their loved one's um, dementia. Yeah. In a way, I sort of see the book as a lifeline to caregivers. I um, hope so, yes. That yeah. was my intention. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think you accomplished it. When did the book publish? September 28th. Okay. Not too long ago. Nope. So we're sort of um, hot off the presses. Is it selling? Yeah. Do we know yet? Yes, it's doing very well. Good, yeah. good. Um, I suspect people will be interested based on who your father was. Um, 
but there's a bigger message here, um, as important as he was to our country, um, and that is that folks are struggling with Alzheimer's and dementia, other forms of dementia as well, and caregivers don't know what to do, where to where to turn for help, or um, how to get through it. So that that's what the book is all about. Yes, I mean none of us know how to do this, and. Uh, you know, it, it differs from every person um, who, every person who has dementia manifests it differently, and every type of dementia is different. Lewy body dementia is very different from Alzheimer's. Vascular dementia is different than, uh, than Alzheimer's, and <clears throat> unfortunately, family members and caregivers are, are really not given thorough information uh, from doctors. So, um, you know, my, my hope, as it was with my support group, is that this will inform them and um, sort of take them through uh, the whole journey and the things that come up and the challenges that come up. And, um, and help them through. Yeah. I, I'm reading a quote here. It says, For the decades of my father's illness, I felt as if I was floating in the deep end, tossed by waves, carried by currents, but not drowning. Um, but not drowning. Just being tossed here and there and everywhere, um, but not drowning. That's how Alzheimer's is, isn't it? Uh, yes. Yes, it is, and uh, someone pointed out to me that it probably feels like that to the to the person who has Alzheimer's as well. I mean, one of the unique things about Alzheimer's is that the early stages are more difficult than the latter stages. Um, you know, in the early stages, the person knows that they're losing cognition. They know that their memory is, is becoming fragmented. They know that they feel disoriented, and it's very painful to watch, and it's it's got to be terribly painful for them. Um, mercifully, uh, as the disease progresses, the person kind of drifts drifts away from from knowing that that they are knowing what they're losing. You know, there are different hardships that arise for the caregiver, but there is that, that the the person, generally speaking, wherever they have drifted off to, they're pretty content where they are. You know, there might be upsets, there might be even tantrums, but they're over in 15 minutes, and 15 minutes after that, they don't remember them. Right. Yes, but you make a fair point. In the beginning, for the patient... There is awareness, and what you know is you're losing control. Um, you're losing your mind, I mean, simply stated. And that has to be <laughs> scary, unsettling, uh, you know, deeply troubling on all levels. Um, but the family never gets off the hook. No, they don't. But I think, you know, what I've tried to do in this book is, is, um, offer techniques and offer insights um, to make the journey a little bit easier, a little bit less devastating. Can you um, can you share some of those with us? Well, yeah, I think basically try to. There's always a different way of looking at things. I, I mean, I've said that to many many people, and I and I emphasize that in this 
in this book. If you just look at your loved one as someone who's losing cognition and who can't remember things anymore, then that's going to be the totality of your experience. If instead you say, you know what, there is still a soul in there. And in my belief, that soul can't be sick. Uh, That might not comport with other people's beliefs, but if it doesn't, I would say consider the possibility because it will inform how you deal with that person and it will inform how you experience this experience. Um, You know, widen your view. Try to look at it differently. There are, even in the latter stages of this disease, there there are windows that open up. There are moments of almost clarity where you can see that there is that there is a soul in there. There's still a human being who has needs and desires and emotions. And if you just write them off as someone who is losing their mind, um, that's a pretty narrow way of looking at it. For sure. And and the other thing is, I, I, I would add to it, and you, you tell me if you agree, but there are moments of joy even when you don't have clarity, if you're open to capturing those and experiencing those, um, yes, I mean you can learn a lot about your about your loved one. Maybe some of the things you don't really want to know, <laughs> but um, you know, it's a stripping away um, of of everything that all of the all of the sort of personas and and. Um, filters that we all develop to live in this world. It's a stripping away down to the essence of that person. That can be a good thing or a bad thing. Um, You know, if that person is a really sweet, kind person, my father certainly was, then you're lucky. But if they are an unpleasant, bitter, um, bitchy person, (laughs) it's going to be a bumpy ride. You're not so lucky, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> You're not so lucky. But, you know, there's still another way to look at, at that, um, which is with compassion and with sympathy. If it's a parent and what's stripped down in them is the person that you kind of always knew that you had a difficult time with, um, if you're still going to be that resentful 20-year-old or 17-year-old, um, you're not going to do very well in this situation. Instead, if you go, you know what, I, I don't, I don't want to react that way anymore. I'm going to look at them um, with more compassion and more sympathy because that person who is unpleasant and difficult is stuck with that. They can't change now. Yeah. What can change is how you perceive them and how and how you relate to to who they are. And you have an opportunity really to grow up is what I realized in my experience. It was just time to grow up. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting what you say because it's empowering. You you have a choice um, yeah. as the caregiver to make about how you take this ride. The ride is inevitable once it is what it is, um, but you're not powerless in the way you experience it. Um, right. I, I wrote in this book and I've, I've said frequently to people, um, you are not going to be the same person at the end of this journey as you were at the beginning. You're just not. But how you are going to be different is a matter of choice. You're either going to be harder or you're going to be softer. You're going to be more open, more compassionate, or you're going to be more brittle and more judgmental. 
it's a choice and it's a and it gets down to the choices that you make kind of on a daily basis and you know what sometimes you get it right and sometimes you get it wrong yeah be forgiving. but if you're grounded in the idea that that I am going to grow from this. I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to stay as open as I can and not make any decisions about what this is going to be, what this experience is going to be. Then, then that's what will lead you forward, even the times that you get it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay to get it wrong. You have to be forgiving of yeah. yourself and of your loved one. Um, yeah, we're only human. I mean, listen, yeah. it's annoying when someone asks you the same question 50 times. <laughs> Sure. It is. Like, you know? what time so is it? What okay. time is it? What time is it? Yeah, just yeah. answer them. Keep it moving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So change your perspective. I love that. I have to say I haven't heard that a lot, and I interview a lot of people. Um, in fact, we just had some people in the studio from the Ohio State University talking to us about research, about pain and Alzheimer's, um, and what, what that might look like. What else besides change your perspective, be open, experience things in real time, and don't go, you know, don't go in with all of these preconceived notions that it's going to be dreadful, then it will be dreadful. Yeah, it's going to be what you, pretty much what you decide it's, it's going to be. You know, I, I, when I was running my support group, if somebody new came in, and, which did happen sometimes and said, you know, they're just about their loved one. Well, they're just, they're just gone. They're not here anymore. There's just like nobody there. Uh, I would always stop them and go, you know what? Don't say that and try to not think it. Um, I, you know, I always. Yes. And try, try to, to not never think tell, it. Yes. Right. I, I always try to never tell someone what they should or shouldn't think or do. Um, but I made exceptions to that, <laughs> yeah. and that, and that was one of them. Yeah. Because if you ju- you just wrote off a human being, yeah, they're not here anymore. Well, okay, then I mean, then they don't exist to you. So that's going to be then that's going to dictate the rest of this journey, and it's not a short journey. I mean, generally it lasts many years early onset Alzheimer's lasts a shorter amount of time but it's still years yeah um the other thing that is really helpful and I have a whole section about it in this book in floating in the deep end is lying um I called it creative lying um in the book Uh and um you know we were all most of us I think raised to tell the truth which is a very good way to go through life. But in the world of Alzheimer's, in the world of dementia, lying is your friend. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone thinks that there are people on the roof, don't tell them that there aren't. Right. That's not going to work. That right. To them, that's real. Yeah. They saw them. They believe that they're there. And um, so just go with it. Yes, there were people on the roof. I saw them, too. And I got rid of them. They're gone now. But if they come back, you let me know. Yeah. And you know what, Patty? Like I said, we just did an interview about pain. Pain is the same way. If someone tells you they're hurting, you can't see it. You don't feel it. You have to trust them that they're hurting. That's their reality. Alzheimer's is no different, right? Um, Right. They believe that. It's very common for people um, with Alzheimer's to um, forget that family members or friends or even spouses have died, 
Mm-hmm. And they're yes. waiting for them to visit or waiting for them to call, or they even think that they did visit or sure. did call. Sure. Go with it. Go with um, it. I had somebody in my support group whose mother was insistent that she was waiting for, um, I think it was her siblings or something, to to uh, to call her to come see her. And uh, this woman made up such creative stories, of, you know, that they were on a cruise around the world. They're out in the middle of the Indian Ocean, <laughs> and they don't have cell service. And, Aww. you know, they'll call as soon as they get back, but they're just traveling around the world on this boat. Yeah. And she was very elaborate in the whole, you know, this whole lie that she that she constructed. And it didn't matter from one time to the next because her mother forgot yeah. every time she asked. So she could just start where she, you know, started all over again. Um, and it and it worked. Yes. I've heard other people refer to it as a therapeutic lie. Um mm-hmm. You're doing it because it's in the best interest of your loved ones. So don't give it a yeah. second thought. Um, right. What, what, what's real doesn't matter. Real's relative anyway, but what matters is their reality. And if you yeah. argue with it, you know, if I tell you, uh, I don't know, I have a blue shirt on and you try to tell me it's purple, you're just causing me undue stress because <laughs> exactly. I'm pretty sure yeah. I know it's blue. Um, yeah. And in the end, it doesn't matter if it's blue or purple. Right. And I think, you know, it's particularly important if someone has Lewy body dementia, <clears throat> which um, typically includes hallucinations. Yeah. I mean, they are seeing that, in fact, the people on the roof actually happened to a friend of mine whose friend has Lewy body dementia. And um, he helps out with her sometimes. And he called me and he said she thinks there are people on the roof there are men on the roof, and, and I I keep telling her there aren't, and, and she won't listen to me. And I said, well, don't do that. Yeah. Until <laughs> I, you know, suggested exactly what I what I said to you. Right. Yeah, I saw him too. <laughs> yeah, and, and even come up with a plan to get him off. And like you said, reassure him if it happens again, let me know. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah. take care of that. We'll I mean, get hallucinations after that. are real, you yes. know, to the person who is having them. Absolutely. You've given us two very important tidbits, tips. Give us a third one. I think a third one is always kind of check in to, to who you are in, in any situation that comes up. Not just what you should do, but who you are right then. If you are still, if it's a parent, and as I said before, if you're still you know, a resentful 17-year-old who had a difficult relationship with that parent you might want to adjust that because no matter what you do, it's probably not going to work because that's what you're leading with. And at least intuitively, that parent is going to know that and and react to that. So, you know, who are you being the adult in, in this situation? Or are you, like, dragging in, you know, your own history because you know even no matter how how far some advance someone gets with um with dementia there are deeply rooted things in there that that they don't forget and one of those deeply rooted things is the dynamic between them and family members particularly with a parent and child so if it's a parent who always pushed your buttons and you know always kind of pissed you off they're not going to forget how to do that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, but it's, it's just 
They're it's not, okay. You know? it, it's just they won't remember what they had for breakfast. It's just but they the will dang remember truth. how to piss you off. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. you have to not be that adolescent or that young adult or where that person who gets pissed off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they don't have control over... They're not going to change. Right. They have dementia. Gonna, <laughs> I mean, they are going to change in some ways, but they're not going to change in that way. Right. As someone said, um, they're not trying to give you a hard time. They're having a hard time. But there is this... Well, they probably are trying to give you a hard time because that's the reality that they've always, you know, that they always existed on. A woman <laughs> um, in the 90s, um, <sighs> when my father was ill, I started I started lecturing... Um, occasionally, like around the country, about being the daughter of someone with Alzheimer's, and um, I, I I talked often in my lectures about looking at things differently and how important that was. And there's always another way of looking at things. And a woman came up to me after one of the one of my lectures and said, "You know, that was so important for me to hear that about looking at things differently." She said, "My mother." has Alzheimer's, and she briefly described her mother, and basically she described a mother who had had no interest in being one. And she said, so I got it about seeing it differently. She didn't mean it. And I went, okay, hold on, wait a minute. You just described a mother to me who is not loving, not tender, was kind of mean sometimes. Did I get that right? And she (laughs) went, well, yeah. And I said, she meant it. She meant it. She wasn't just in a bad mood for 30 years. She meant it. How sad for her. That's the change in attitude. Not rewriting history, not not going into denial about things. How sad for her, right? She's She's wounded by not having a nurturing relationship with her daughter, and she doesn't even know she's wounded. And now she's stuck with that because she has dementia. Now there's no chance that she's going to change. Makes sense what you're saying. Um, I I can also see that, you know, some people who are mean-spirited might take this as an opportunity for revenge. And this is not the time or place because your loved one does have a disease. Um, Yes, that's true. I mean, I've had people say, say to me, you know, before my mother or my father gets sort of too far down the road, while they can still understand some things, I have to tell them some things. I have to tell them what they did to me, Mm. which is another like, whoa, let's stop right here, you know? (laughs) What good is that going to do? Well, and the other thing is, it it ain't all about you. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's where you said, go ahead and grow up. Go ahead and let go of some things. Go ahead and offer forgiveness, even if it wasn't asked for, um, because you'll be better for it in the end, and you will be a changed person. Yeah, yeah. What about your dad's journey? How long did he actually have the disease? Well, he was diagnosed in 1994, and... died in 2004, so 10 years. Um, they did discover something on his, I wrote about this in the, in the book, they, uh, when he fell off a horse in 1989, um, he, they, uh, and he had a brain bleed. Um, I, I guess what they saw was some plaque on his brain. Um, and, you know, it was mentioned that this could be a precursor for Alzheimer's, and 
Um, they told my mother. My mother did not tell my father. She told my brother, who then told me, but I wasn't supposed to tell anybody because our father didn't know and my mother didn't want him to tell anybody. My family was exhausting with the secrets. <laughs> it was just exhausting. Huh. I mean, it's even exhausting to try to explain it. Um, but it wasn't really, a, because it was so sort of vague, and I mean, my interpretation of it now that I know more than I did then is that they they did an MRI or a PET scan, whichever one they did, and they saw plaque on his brain. Um, so, you know, that's what they told her, because they didn't do a whole workup, otherwise he would have known that something's wrong. Um, and then, you know, obviously there were symptoms um, as time moved on, and in 1994, the actual diagnosis was made. And how did Dad take it? Well, he, you saw how he took it. He wrote a letter to the world, yeah, telling telling everyone that he had Alzheimer's and his grace and his courage, and in, in you know, in that writing that letter and putting it out there in the world, that was so was so impressive to me. Well. You're you're following in those footsteps. What you're doing is impressive as well, in the same sort of spirit. Um, this is great information. I'm so happy. I love the title, Floating in the Deep End, that you are willing to share your personal experiences with the world and with us. Um, any parting thoughts, Patty? It's a, it's a difficult journey. There's no getting around that. But... I think it can be made smoother um, by, you know, the things that we talked about. Also, um, finding people who understand what you're going through to talk to. I think you do need travel buddies on this journey. The value Um, of a support group, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's very valuable. And, you know, my hope is still that hospitals will will license my my group. I, I will only license it to hospitals. When I when I came up with the idea of Beyond Alzheimer's, there was no doubt in my mind that I only wanted it to be at a hospital because, well, for one thing, because there, I structured it with two facilitators, me when I was doing it, and then somebody from the medical field to answer all of those questions that even if I did have the answer to, I'm not legally allowed to to talk about. Um so there's that, but also I wanted I wanted um, I wanted hospitals to kind of step up to the plate and and say you know we know what caregiver stress can do we know that these caregivers can end up being patients here because of stress related illnesses and conditions and and I, I wanted them to take some responsibility to try to prevent that from happening. Well, I hope someone is listening, some CEO in some, at some hospital system, um, and they hear what you're saying. But I love that when you didn't get the response you wanted, you wrote the book, because you, yeah. weren't, you weren't going to sit down and be quiet on this one. <laughs> nope, I'm not going to be quiet on it. <laughs> Patty, thank you so much. Hope you have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Listeners. Till next time, may the road rise to meet you. May the wind be forever at your back.